Hey guys, this is Brandon DeVere, and you're listening to the Learn For Two podcast. So here's the thing. After being in the real estate industry for over a decade, I realized the old model was broken. There was no way out, no end in sight. So I decided to ditch the masses and create my own opportunity. One that would put myself and others in a position to retire when we want to. This podcast is my journey to teach as many people as possible to do the same. My name is Brandon DeVere, and welcome to the Learn For Two podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to Learn for Two Podcast. This is Brandon DeVere. Thank you, as always, for tuning in and sharing your time with me. I do appreciate that. Today's episode is part two of the interview that I had with Scott Mandel about depression and suicide. The first episode, he got a little deep, a little dark, uh, where he was talking about how he suffered from depression and also how um, you know thoughts of suicide went, went through his head. In this episode, we're going to go a little bit more on to the ideas that he has and the, the tips and tricks that he's used to battle depression and kind of overcome and dig himself out of those dark places, as well as talking to um, how, how people should feel that aren't directly affected by, uh, <clears throat> by depression, but how they can help and how, uh, if maybe your friend is depressed, how, how can you help them? Or if they're suicidal, how can you help them? And also how you should feel as a person that maybe has lost someone to suicide and how you can cope with that as well. So hopefully this gets out to anybody who it can help. If, if it's not you that needs to hear this, but you know, someone that needs to hear it, please pass it along. That is what this podcast is about. Learn for two. We're wanting to learn things so we can pass along to others. And as we come up to a, some trying times here pretty soon, uh, and battle through people with job loss, things like that, people are going to start turning uh, to dark places. So, uh, if this can help at least one person get out of that dark place or keep them from going to that dark place, uh, then we feel that we've, we've, accomplish what we set out to do. So if this isn't for you and it might be for somebody else, please share it with them and uh, hopefully we can make it uh, a little bit brighter for everybody. So here's Scott Mendel uh, for part two of this interview. Enjoy. Um, but I, I kind of want to fast forward a little bit to what we just, we were just about to talk about and uh, about not necessarily just, just someone that is contemplating suicide or really having, having depression. Like you mentioned, Mark uh, reached out to you because he had a friend that he, he was getting, he was getting real like touch and go there. Uh, and so I thought about him and also um, I had a friend that took his own life uh, a little, a little over almost a year and a half ago. And my immediate response was I was up until like one, two in the morning scrolling through all the messages that I had on Facebook with him, everything looking for what, you know, his last message to me was like, I'm going to rise up like the Phoenix and do and, and become, you know, something amazing. And I said, I'm rooting for you. And that was the last conversation that we had. And for the next two days, I was looking about questioning myself as a friend. Am I, am I good enough? What did, what did I miss? If I'm that good of a friend, how did I miss this? And, and he, and he was, he was gone. I mean, I, I it took me a couple of days to overcome it. Cause I found out a couple other things um, that actually were, was, was going on as well. But nonetheless, I still questioned my ability. And just like Mark, I'm assuming was questioning what, what is he to do? Like, what kind of advice would you give for, for someone in that, in that uh, type of scenario? Yeah, this is, and, and, and I'm trying to remember exactly what I told Mark because it was actually really good. I wish, and, and it is written <laughs> down. I need to go find it. Um, it. It's, there's one reason I say suicide is the most selfish thing you can ever possibly do. It's not, it, it's, it's, You've gotten to a point where you think you cannot deal with the pain anymore 
and, and man, I get that because my pain was unreal. Um, the emotional pain and, and, you know, they talk about heartbreak and, and how it, you know, heartbreak. And, and I'd never felt it in my life uh, until that, that year of hell. And I literally, my chest hurt every single day of my life. I mean, it was literally like somebody had reached in and set a black hole inside of my heart and it was trying to suck everything in around me. Um, and to give into that and not think about what you're doing to those around you is un unbelievably selfish because it does leave. And it's not just your family, you know, because you're questioning as a friend, just think how that guy's family questioned yeah. themselves. <clears throat> we should have seen this coming. We should have helped. We should, no, you can't because that's the thing about most depressed people is they hide it from everyone. They don't want help. They don't want you to know until it's too late. Um, and, and granted, there are some people that, that go down the suicide route to intentionally hurt the people that love them and care. Hmm. Um, but that's, that's a whole nother uh, area of context. Um, but when you're in a situation where you've got a friend that you found out is suicidal, the girl that reached out to Mark sent him a text that was really long, and in it she goes, I'm done with this life. And boy, I'll tell you what, that is the sign that you need to do something immediately. Um, because what I told Mark is you need to try and get face to face with them. And as soon as you do get face to face with them, don't say anything, just walk up and wrap your arms around them and hold on because initially they're going to fight, but they will give in and they'll, they'll lean into the hug and then don't let go until they do because you might be there for 30 minutes wrapped up in their arms as they cry because when you're depressed that demon in your brain doesn't want you to get help but your soul knows you need somebody to care it wants to be hugged it wants to be loved and when you finally get that physical contact that, that you feel as caring and loving, it will break you. It will break you very, very quickly. And not everybody, but a lot of people are going to end up sobbing into your shoulder as you hold on. To, you may actually have to hold them up because their knees may buckle. And then I told him the, the next most important thing is sit down and ask them what's going on. And those should be the last words you, you say until they finish talking. Just sit down and shut up. And it's the hardest thing almost all of us can do because we love to involve ourselves in a conversation. And, and man, let me tell you, that's my worst thing is, is because I know I can help. I want to immediately start helping. And, and the best thing you can do is one, either take notes physically or mentally as they're talking to you and listen in between the words because they're not going to tell you what they need verbally, they're going to tell you what they need in between those sentences. Um, like that hug, right? They're not going to say, oh my God, could you give me a hug, please? That's not something a depressed person is going to say, mm -hmm. but they need it desperately. And so listen in between and just listen to them because they crave that. 
and that's kind of what the writing is. It's, it's getting people to listen in a different format. By reading it, they're listening to your story, right? <clears throat> and so when you sit there and listen, it, it allows them to speak without their demon getting control. And as they speak, they're going to start to loosen up. They're going to start to understand that there is some care in the world, that somebody is concerned about them because you are listening to them. And it's not going to like Mark. Mark still has one friend that, that, that he's having a lot of trouble with still. Um, and, and so it's not going to help everybody, but it's the best thing you can possibly do to, to get down there. And the second thing I told him after he came back and he told me what had happened was whatever happens next is not your fault. You did everything you could possibly do. Whatever happens next, it's on them. They know you're there. They know you care. If they kill themselves, it's on them, not on you. You did what you could do. It is not your fault. Your brain is going to try and make it your fault because we all think that we're superhuman. And by reaching out to somebody, we could have saved them. No, you can't. If they're that far off the cliff, nobody can save them. You gave them a moment where they felt better and that you should take pride in because you gave them a chance. They chose not to take that chance like you with your friend. Yes, there were underlying conditions. Mm -hmm. But even before that, you there was nothing you could have done. You probably went through two or 300 texts, right? Oh yeah, easy. Was there anything in there that gave you a clue as to where he was? Right. No, not, not really. Um, and, and I actually was, well, I was actually told afterwards that um, one of the, the reasons why I would get those texts and, and I, I went back over and saw they were kind of, at a a um like it was like repeating in a, in a certain order so and the and the reason being was it uh, what i found out afterwards is because he, he was back home where i grew up and i was you know i live in las vegas now but <clears throat> you know i i would hear wouldn't hear from him for a while and then something then i would hear from him and apparently he had uh, mandatory uh injections for his his medication for his depression um i didn't i had i didn't know that um yeah and so every time I would get one, I, you know, I was talking to my cousin and he goes, yeah, he goes that he probably had just had a shot every time he'd talk to you because you'd become super, super positive and like see everything. And then towards the end of the month, when it was time for a new shot, it would start to kind of he'd tumble and kind of not out of control, but he wouldn't be, well, I mean, eventually obviously he did get out of control, but, uh, but it was like that periodically it would come back and everything was, I mean, like I said, it was, it was, I'm going to be the guy that people write stories about because I'm going to dig myself up out of this. And, you know, we had, I was like, I'm rooting, rooting for you. This is, you know, so I, that's where, you know, that conversation was there. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, I, I'd known that he had, you know, some things going on, but I didn't know that it was to that point. Um, but you're right. right because he never came out and said, look, man, I, I'm really thinking about killing myself and I need help. Yeah. And that's the, that's, that's the thing. Like with Mark and his friend, you can't help these people until they want, it's like being a drug addict. You can't help a drug addict until they want to be helped. Yeah. Right. Everybody knows that, but depression has been hidden for so long 
and had that stigma for so long that we don't understand it as well as drug addiction or alcohol addiction or smoking addiction. Uh, you know, and I, I talk to a lot of people like my friends that smoke and, and I, I, I'm always on them. I'm like, why, you know how bad it is for you, but they don't care yet. Their, their pain level hasn't reached a place where they're willing to stop. But every one of my friends that I know that has stopped smoking got that overarching why and quit cold turkey one day and never picked them back up. Yeah. And it's because they figured out their why. Mm -hmm. They had a reason and they wanted help and they got it done. Um, it's like me when I, this last time I was like, my God, you know, I've got to get out of this. I'm going to die if I don't. And, and you've seen um, ever since 1993, my mantra has been hashtag change or die, yeah. right? So you'll see it in a lot of my posts. You've probably seen it inside of our group, change or die. That's my thing, because if I don't change what was going on, if I stay who I was, then I will die. I can't be that kind of person anymore. And so I, I, I put my call out for help by writing, right? Um, and, and I didn't ask anybody in particular. I didn't say, hey, I need help. Now, back when I was going through this, I did. I screamed for help. The first time I tried to kill myself, I was like, oh, my God, um, I need help. I need help bad. And, and I went and, and got professional help for it. Um, and and it, it helped get me through that portion of it, but it didn't give me the cure. It didn't keep me out of that, that vicious cycle. Mm -hmm. um, and so until your friend had said, oh, my God, I'm, I'm, I'm dying. I, I, I can't go on with this life. You can't hold yourself responsible because you're not. If, if they aren't asking for help, you can't help them. You know, by answering his texts and by being there and by rooting for him, that was phenomenal. Because how many other people did you reach out to that did not do that? Yeah, yeah. well, you know? and especially at that point, he, he had probably burnt a lot of bridges as oh, well. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and, and some maybe on purpose. I mean, now, now I'm just trying to think of, of the kind of where you're at. And one, and one of the things that I actually thought of because, and I, and I thought of this back at the time as well, but it just reminded me as you're saying that, that um, people, they have the stigma, they want to hide it. And my thought, and I, I could be way off base here, but, but my theory, I guess, is that depression will hit intelligent people harder because they think they can hide it better. And he was one of the smartest people I've ever met. And he, and then he gets in this argument where he shouldn't have this mental, it becomes even more of a stigma because he thinks that he has, he should be able to outthink this issue that he has. And then it just keeps diving deeper. That was just my thought through it. I don't know if that, if that makes any sense at all. Oh no, no, I've thought the same thing. I mean, I've got a master's degree <laughs> and, and there are many times when I have actually believed, you know, they say ignorance is bliss. Mm -hmm. And, and I had an experience many years ago um, at um, Universal Studios City Walk. We were in the Motown Cafe. And Motown Cafe has a dance floor um, with huge statues of Elvis and Michael Jackson and Buddy Holly. And, and I think Stevie Wonder is the other one. Um, but we were eating dinner and it was, you know, I don't know, 5.30, 6 o'clock before we were about to go back into the park. And there was a kid out on the dance floor dancing. And, and you could look at him and tell immediately that he was a Down syndrome kid. But he was having the time of his life. 
and he was smiling and a Michael Jackson song had come on and he'd go over to the Michael Jackson statue and do the crotch grab and, and thrust. <laughs> or an Elvis song had come on and he'd do the whole hip shake that Elvis did. I mean, you could tell he loved doing this. And there was this group of fools that were probably in their 20s or something sitting a couple of tables away from us that were making fun of them. And I thought, God, what a shame that they can't see anything other than their own fear. And they can't see the joy that this, I mean, the pure love of life that this kid is experiencing. And then I thought, how great is it that his parents are over there and they can probably hear what I'm hearing, but they're allowing him to have his fun. Yeah. And, and it, it made me think that, you know, of all, and, and I've known several Down syndrome children, my, my, Goddaughter actually was a um, nanny for one of them. Um, she she took him to do everything during the day when she was in college, and and every one of them are usually the happiest people you will ever meet on earth. And I thought, man, you know, it's probably because they are Down syndrome and they don't really understand all the stresses that we put on ourselves as adults, right? And I think that plays into, because if you think about the most intelligent people on the planet are usually the weirdest people on the planet <laughs> because they get trapped inside of their own heads. Steve Jobs, Albert Einstein. Um, I, I mean, you, you, you look at these people that they exist on a different plane from us mm-hmm. and their lives are generally harder because of that. And I think that's the same way, like you were saying with depression is because you're as intelligent as you are and you sit there and you tell yourself, I can get out of this. I am not this. And then the demon starts winning. And because you can think so rapidly, the thoughts happen faster and faster and faster. And it drives you further into that deal. But because you are talented and man, let me tell you, there wasn't a single family member that knew I was suffering that bad. Well, I mean, obviously the two that I didn't speak to didn't, but my dad had no clue either. Yeah. Even after he had kind of gotten himself back after losing his wife, um, he still didn't understand until I called him that day and said, I've got to get some professional help or I will die. And he freaked out. I mean, completely freaked out because he had no clue that it was coming. <clears throat> None of my friends knew, not a single one of them knew, but I, and I still talked to them when I would talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, it, I just hate, I hate that one, if I had actually finished that job that night, that, that the devastation that I would have wrought on my father would, I, I, I would have deserved to have gone to hell just for that. <clears throat> um, or my friends like you that would have questioned themselves Yes, everybody could have understood. Well, he lost his grandmother and he lost his, his fiance and his best friend and his dog. And, you know, I can understand why he did it, but how, how could I have helped stop it? It's such a loss. And you can't because I kept it from you. And I don't want anybody out there that's got friends or family that's suffering with this stuff. Do not blame yourself unless you're the parent that, you know, beat your child for years and, then maybe you deserve some blame. But yeah. if you're on the periphery, you don't. You, you can't help. Until they ask for help, you just can't help. But once they reach out, once they cry for help, 
get in there immediately. Don't badger them. Once you, once you get that hug in and you listen to them and, and see what they're asking for inside of what they're not asking for, then start helping. Don't push them to get, suggest that they get professional help. Don't push them for it because it's like telling a teenage daughter they can't go out with a certain guy. It's just going to make them want to go out with that guy. And if you push them to get help, they are going to avoid it like a plague. Just suggest it and let it ride. And then do whatever they need. Like if it's going and having coffee once a week and listening to them again, do that. If it's, you know, dropping by with, you know, takeout one night and listening to them, do that. Or if it's just, you know, a text every now and then saying, hey, I love you, just wanted you to know. That alone might be the difference in them surviving and not surviving because they've asked for help and they know you're there if they need it. Other than that, there's just nothing you can do. They're an addict. That's awesome. I think that's great, great advice. Cause I mean, I, I feel like there's a lot of people like even, even you saying that um, the people, you know, like myself that felt like I did something or didn't do enough um, like those people. But imagine if you would have been successful, not just the hurt that you would have brought upon your family and friends, but now the, you know, uh, Mark's family and friends, Mark's friends, family, the other three people that you know, that you saved all of them. I mean, that is, it's, it's amazing at what <clears throat> a friend of mine and I were talking, I don't know, probably like six months ago. And we we're talking because it was the, the taboo suicide is being taboo. And when you talk about, cause we were, we were having a conversation about suicide. And when you do yeah. that, people go, Whoa, are you okay? Or that's like the first thing that happens. And we're like, no, we're talking about, talking about like suicide if you were if you, that thought we were, we were saying we were thinking about suicide not that we were going to that's something we were going to do but the thought of if you were at that spot of like my mindset that I have is that if I'm like suicide means that I'm, I'm done and I'm over um, but why wouldn't I come out swinging and even if I went bankrupt and broke I like why wouldn't I do that first you know, not saying that that's going to help, but like as a, like backed up against the wall, um, I guess I, I grew up playing sports. So maybe I have a little more c competitive, um, I guess, competitive nature. And like yes. when you get to that, you get to that point. Uh, and I guess this has two points. One, when you get to that point, why not try and fight back? But also two, the conversation of, you know, again, that the taboo, the stigma of just the word make puts it into a negative. Like, I, and this is one of the reasons I wanted to have you on here is because I want people to know that it's, it's okay to, to feel depressed. I mean, I get depressed sometimes. I, I think everybody does and it's just different levels, but um, having it be okay. Okay. Uh, let me stop you for just a second there. Yep. You don't get depressed. You get down. Okay. And there's a huge difference. Depression is an actual physical change in the brain. Okay. okay? It is a mental disease. Okay. It's, okay. it's not, it's the chemicals that run your brain and the, the network of neurons are no longer functioning properly. Yes, we all get down and we get sad and things happen, but it's not the same as being depressed. Depression is a completely different animal. And, and I've said this a million times to, to, I can't tell you how many people, is until you have literally considered killing yourself, you will never understand somebody that does. Okay. Okay, because until you've gotten to that point where life has no meaning, you, you want, you, you, you wonder, why don't you fight? You know, if you're backed into that corner, why aren't you, why aren't you fighting? 
Well, the thing is, is you fought and 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 you fought. And finally, you don't have any fight left. That's a great point. And, and the pain, and, and what drove me was the pain. I fought the pain for six months, and it never got any better. And I, I, I had gone from 185 pounds to 145, I'm sorry, 140 pounds. Um, I was skin and bones, um, no muscle mass. I mean, I've been a shut-in for six months, basically. Yeah. And, and it's impossible to tell you what that feels like. Um, It's, you just get to a point where the idea of dealing with it another day is more than you can stand. It feels like if you don't end it, it will end you. Like I really, I, I honestly thought that I was going to die from the pain um, because I couldn't eat, I couldn't sleep, I couldn't think. Uh, my only escape was The Legend of Zelda. Um, I ought to write Nintendo and tell them they saved my life. <laughs> um, but the day I laid down on my couch with my dog at my side and asked myself the question, should I continue to live? Why should I continue to live with this pain? Um, I, I literally did not get up off that couch for three days as I tried and searched and prayed and begged and tried to find any reason at all that I should live. And, and I couldn't. I literally couldn't um, because I had withdrawn from so much in my life. And, and that's, the, that's the biggest mistake that we all, <clears throat> it's still a little hard to talk about. Um, it's the mistake that we all make is by withdrawing, we take ourselves away from the reasons that we have to live. And, and the thing that, 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 that saved my life with that girl was she literally came over and drugged me out of the house. Um, I had no intention. I've been laying on a couch for three days. I had the rope coiled. Um, I was just trying to figure out how to get it through the rafters so that it wouldn't bring the house down on me and I'd live. Um, and by her pestering me and telling me that she was not going to, and she, I, I talked her into joining a Powerpuff football league, like, I don't know, nine months before this. And it was their first game. And she wanted me to come out and see her play. And, and, I resisted and resisted and resisted and resisted. And finally I was like, well, what's an hour? An hour is not going to kill me. Ah. Um, and so I went out and the damnedest thing happened. Here's a bunch of, you know, 18, 19 year old girls that are playing football that are coming to me about what to do and how to throw and how to run and how to catch and what play should we run. And, they're, they score a touchdown and they're all hugging up on me and holy crap, I had fun. <laughs> and when I got home that night, it, it was like my entire theory had just been blown apart by this unreal nuclear explosion. And, and how could I possibly have fun when that did not exist in my life anymore? And it dawned on me it didn't exist in my life anymore because I had taken it out of my life. And that was where I came up with change or die, 
because I knew that I had to change everything about who I was in order to continue to live, to be a better person, to not end up here again. And, and that was the biggest mistake that I made was trying to do it myself. And not, it was like trying to learn calculus without a textbook or a teacher. Yeah. And so developing that emotional side and the, the rational side and, and a, a, a new personality was more than I could handle. And I ended up suicidal again. And that was when I finally started getting help. Um, and, and the third time was just recently when I started gaining so much weight. And I recognized the signs. I got lucky. I recognized the signs of the demon coming back. And thank God Ryan got us writing because I don't know. Well, I'll tell you where I realized it and, and how I realized it was. And have you ever been, you've been to, you went to our live events, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was in uh, Orlando, I think is where um, you brought the, the jump ropes and you and Jeff yes. were jump roping. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So that was right at the beginning of all of this. Mm. So the live event beforehand, I've never missed a live event in six years now. I have never missed a single live event. I skipped the one in Tahoe and yeah. I told Ryan it was because I was too busy and I'm starting a new business and I don't have time. And when I, when things broke and I realized the entire reason I'd skipped that was because I had gained all that weight. I was 275 pounds and I didn't want to be around my friends. I didn't want them to see me looking like this. I didn't want to be in that atmosphere of fun and love and learning. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm doing it again. Okay, this has to stop, and this has to stop now. And that was when Ryan kind of came up with the whole IOD thing. Mm -hmm. And while I was trying to get myself back, the IODs gave me the path to figure out how to do it this time. And without professional help and without drugs, which – and I hated the drugs. I, I, I – I think we probably went through six different ones when I was going through this and none of them really made a difference for me. Not that they won't for some people. Mm. They just didn't help me because one, I'm a redhead and apparently that has, it, it makes things metabolize much slower. Um, I know that. I learned that from, yeah. I learned that from <clears throat> Carmel. Um, and, and so, and I, I've known, I've never reacted to drugs well in my life. Like it takes bigger doses to work on me than anything else. Um, and so they didn't really help, but this time I had a new path and that new path did something for me that I've never done before. And that's given me hope that this can actually be over, that the brain is actually healing again. Yeah. The scars are still going to be there, mm -hmm. but I, I think it's like having a keloid scar versus the little line on your arm, you know, okay. now I'm taking those massive thick scars and I'm, I'm treating them you know, and they're, they're becoming the little lines. Now they'll still be there. I'll still have the demon for the rest of my life. It will be there, but now I know how to shut him up. Awesome. Awesome. You, you were so, mentioning, um, that, so that, that woman that dragged you out of the room, you said that after she was, she was your neighbor and then. You, no, 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 no. My fiance was my neighbor. That's what made the whole her and my best friend sleeping together. So horrible. Um, no, uh, I'd met her and her mom actually, um, like nine months before, um, and she was going to be an incoming freshman at A&M and she, her mom had asked me to take care of her. And, and I said, look, if she ever needs anything, just have her call me. 
and here's what you should do. This is what you should get involved in. This is how you can, you know, make friends. And I gave her this big list. And, and on top of the list was intramurals. It's the best way to meet people and have fun with a group because, man, you know, that team atmosphere like we've got now, that team atmosphere builds friendships. You play together, you practice together, you suffer together, you win together. And those people are people that you can hang on to. And I never saw her again. I mean, literally not a phone call or anything until that night. And I, I had no idea she'd even hung on to my number. But, boy, she was adamant about me coming out to her game that night. I mean, she came over to my house, sat her butt down on my couch, and said, I'm not leaving until you come with me. And then, and then yeah. after that, you, you didn't see her? I never again. <laughs> that's, a, that's a crazy story. It, it is. Amber, Amber and, and several others have said that that was an angel. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. I mean, it's, yeah, that's 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 a pretty cool story. Um, it's you know, it's the weirdest thing that's ever happened to me, and the the only, I mean, how do you explain it? If it no. if it wasn't touched by God, you know, it, and it made me question a lot of a lot of my life. Wow. Um, so yeah, it, it 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 still gives me freaky feelings and tears when I think about it. Yeah, that's the well, that's crazy. How close well, I came. Well, lucky for us, uh, she she came by. And yeah. uh, made you go to the game. Um, but I do want to thank you for something uh, that we were just talking about a few minutes ago because you kind of put into perspective. And one of the reasons I like to have these types of conversations is for, for people who don't, who don't know. Like me and my friend had that conversation and we're thinking, well, why wouldn't you just keep fighting? But, but that's us. Think, you just made me realize that that's, that's us. That's me thinking where I am now. That's, not, that's me thinking here, not me thinking down here. And right. so when it makes sense to me now, you know, if I were to go down that path, it may not make sense to me then. So I want to thank you um, for changing my mindset on that a little bit. And, and the easiest way to think about that is, would you ever shoot heroin? No. <laughs> right, right. You can't imagine why you would want to do that. I can't imagine why I would want to do that ever. But we're not addicts. Yeah. You know, we can't understand the addict mindset. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so, you know, I can look at somebody and say, oh, my God, why, why did, why? Why don't you fight that urge? And it's because we don't understand. Yeah. And suicide's the same thing. When you get to that point, and unless you've been there, you simply cannot understand. And I've talked to other people that have been in my situation and survived, and 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 every one of them has said the same thing. I've tried to I've tried to tell my family what it was like and that it wasn't their fault, and and they just don't understand. I said, you're right. They won't. I understand. I've been there. He understands. He's been there. She understands. She's been there. But everybody outside of us and our family and our friends will never get it mm -hmm. because they haven't been that far into their own hell, into the darkness. And, 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 and honest to God, I hope it's a place you never understand. Thank you. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to understand either. And, I, and you know, like I said, I, I, they're really eye-opening for me to, to understand that it's, it's what I'm thinking. It's not what, what someone else is thinking. So... And, and I don't know, like I lost my mom uh, when I was 18, uh, just after I graduated high school. And so I, I lost her at a young age, but I was kind of forced, um, she had Alzheimer's. So she didn't really know even who I was for the last, you know, six years uh, of her life. And so I, I, I was young enough to be kind of forced through it. And I just had, it was like, here, this is what it is. Like, here it is. But when people like start, I'm having some friends now that are starting to lose their parents and stuff. And I always try to tell them, hey, I, I don't know. I don't like when people say, I know what you're going through. I go, you know, I've, I've been through a similar situation. I'll, I'll let you know how I handled it. 
uh, let me know yeah. if, you, if you want to grab a beer or something. Let's, let's chat about it. Um, Cause I think like what you were saying earlier about how hug them, ask them, shut up because yep. we, we want to go fix. We want, we want to be fixers. We want to like take the pain from, from our friends and make yes. it, make it right. But you know, maybe you we don't have the, maybe the answer is just them talking is, is it, all. It is. <clears throat> they have to ask for help. They have to get help. They have to help themselves because that, that's the worst thing about depression is there's nothing anybody can do. It all has to come from in here. Mm. You know, you have to pull yourself up and out of that hell. You've got to fight for every handhold. And guess what? You're going to slide down on the way. It's not an easy climb. I mean, think about um, um, Tim and his ice climbing. You know, mm. <laughs> you're going to climb up and you're going to slide down. And, and you pray to God that you catch a handhold on the way down so that you can start the climb again. Yeah. And, and that's, that's what it is. It's a fight. It, it, it's not easy. And, and you're right in, in, in what you said a second ago um, uh, about being there and, and shutting up and listening. And we want to fix, but you can't. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm like you, don't get me wrong. You know, I, I grew up playing sports all the way through college and, and I'm that kind of fighter. And, and if, if you know that about me, that I'm exactly like you, right. Mm-hmm. But I got to a point where I was ready to end my life. You know, I'm the exact same person that you are. Yeah. I grew up the same way you did. I lost my mom at 29 to breast cancer, my grandmother to Alzheimer's, you know, do I know what it was like to be 18 and lose my mom to that disease? Absolutely not. Um, but Knowing that, you know, and I'm the most competitive person you will ever meet. I am hyper competitive <laughs> and I gave up Yeah, because I just, I couldn't, I could not handle pain anymore. And God, I pray that you never, ever understand that level of pain. Um, and, and I really, when people talk to me about being suicidal, it breaks my heart because I know that they've reached that level of pain. And I know there's nothing I can do about it mm-hmm. except hug them and let them talk yeah. and hope that they start helping themselves. And maybe through this program that we're working on, we can give them an avenue to achieve some of that self-help that they need. Yeah. It's the best we can do. Yeah. No, that's, that's awesome. That's incredible. Um, do you have any, any tips or like last things you want to share with anybody on tips or maybe places they can go to for resources? I mean, is it just Google um, or is there like a, a, uh, a group There's, a forum or something that would be helpful? No, not really. And that's one of the things I'm, I'm, I'm actually playing around with creating right now is, is outside of like, there are, there are deals out there for dealing with this kind of stuff, but they want to charge like 90 bucks a month to be part of it. And, and that's not right because I mean, when I was down in the, I mean, I hadn't worked. You know, the only reason I had a place to stay was we owned the condo that I was living in and, and I had no money. There's no way I could have gotten online and, and joined this $90 a month thing. Yeah. So I'm, I'm trying to, to, to figure out a way to set up something that will allow suicide survivors to help those that have not been through it. Um, it's a very tricky situation. Um, because you've got to keep the trolls out that'll get in there and prey on the um, suffering. 
Yeah. Um, you know, because that's how, you know, a lot of the terrorist organizations are getting these kids to join is by preying on their depression. Um, and so it, it's, it's, I, I want to do it so badly, but man, it's complicated and tricky. Um, but yes, there are, there are places you can go online. Um, the biggest tip I can give anybody is talk to your friends, tell them how you feel because you can't start healing until the people around you understand where you are. And it's, it, and, and let me take that back. They're not going to understand until they have an idea of where you are um, and ask for help. I mean, that's the biggest tip of all is ask for help because until I did that, I was dead. I was absolutely dead. And I'm quite glad that that never happened. Yeah. Just so am I. And there's a lot of other people as well. I mean, I, I have no doubt that you'll be, you'll continue to inspire and, and save lives. And like I, like I said to Cliff, you know, he, how many lives he'll impact, he'll never know. And the amount of lives that you save, you, you might, somebody might listen to you on my podcast right here yeah. and that helps them that you have no idea even listen to it. Um, that, that comes from, from my audience, uh, that, you know, you, you may help and may never be told about it. So, uh, I appreciate you still, you know, keep fighting and, and sharing that. Um, I know that it's, it's not easy for a lot of people to get out and share, uh, get this, this vulnerable. I mean, typically, you know, we, we started this saying, Hey, maybe we'll go 20, 25 minutes. Um, yeah. now we're, yeah. we're at a, we're at an hour 20 and, yeah. um, and I, I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to stop it. Um, uh, because no, it's, it's, it's important information. And, and, and if anybody wants to, you know, you can find out about my journey on my Facebook mm -hmm. page. Um, just search my name and I'll, I'll come up. You'll see this face. Um, um, and, and if you want to reach out, please do. I mean, I'm here. Um, instant message me. If you want to keep it private post on my Facebook page, if you want to, you know, ask a question that may help others, um, in a public forum. Um, but I'm there. I mean, if you need help, God, please reach out, please. I'll, I'll definitely put a, put a link to the, the show notes, uh, to your, um, I'll put it on, on this video as well, but also a link in the show notes so where they can yeah. uh, find you on your, on your Facebook page if they, they need some help. But, uh, Scott, thank you so much. I'm, I'm very, very thankful and grateful for you to, to take the time with me to, to share this with other people, especially right now when, when people are going to probably feel some, some oh, yeah. get, feeling the downs and, and starting to look for, for places to go. And, and just knowing that, that, um, people like you are out there that have gone through it and are willing to share. Uh, what they, what you've been, uh, uh, what you've been through and how you've overcome it. So thank you very much. I really appreciate it. It's truly my pleasure. Awesome. Thank you, Scott. You bet. See you later. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe and please leave a comment. If you'd like your free copy of four ways to leverage your existing real estate business or to apply to join my team, go to the retired real estate agent.com for your free growth path.